welcome to the City Point Church podcast. Thanks for joining us. Every day is an opportunity to take hold of. So we hope this message inspires you and builds your faith, that it helps you have more of a God perspective for your day. Enjoy. You guys are so faithful. I love that. The media guys are faithful. (sighs) The title for today's preach is called Sanctified Pursuit. All right. Um, You'll notice that I tend to like the word sanctified whenever I come up with a title. Uh, um, There's a reason for that. Whilst Jesus is our sanctification, uh, it's actually our responsibility to respond and outwork that responsibility of sanctification um, by taking up our cross daily, of course. But part of the process of outworking sanctification is what is your pursuit. It's what you pursue. That's part of your outworking of sanctification. Uh, I like to find out what are your top five, don't tell me, my gosh, (laughs) but what are your top five internet searches that will show you what you pursue, yeah? Um, For those who are a little bit more, more tech savvy, maybe it's your top five apps that you use. Yeah, sometimes on my phone it comes up with what apps have the highest battery drainage, you know? So I know, I know what I've been playing with and doing for far too long. So that's not a judgment, that is uh, what are you pursuing? And part of sanctification, you should be able to look at your search engine and your apps and going, what am I pursuing? What is part of my outworking of sanctification? Am I taking up my cross daily? Um, so point one for today is pursuing life. Yeah, I like that one. It's good. Okay. Um, Now, last week, my beautiful wife, she brought up Proverbs 21, verse 21. I'm going to use the same scripture, all right, because it is uh, one of those passages that you could preach on every single week, actually. Yes. I like what Mr. Henry says, you know, about tithes. It's like you could, every every single verse in the Bible, you could do a tithes message on, okay, because the word of God is eternal and so deep. Anyway, Proverbs 21, verse 21 says, He who pursues righteousness and mercy finds life, righteousness, and honor. The Hebrew word, therefore, pursue is radif. Okay? Radif means to pursue something with hostile intent. It, uh, like some translations, it says, those who follow after righteousness. And I think, follow, that's... It can, we can do better than that. It's like, get angry. Have a hostile intent towards it. Uh, have you ever stayed up at night fuming about something that somebody said? And you think to yourself, tomorrow morning, I'm going to go down to their workplace. <laughs> Not that I've ever done that. Maybe. Okay, yeah, I have. But I really have accidentally. And it was my mistake too, so I made a total fool of myself. <laughs> Sanctification, we're all working it out. So, okay, that is radif. That is where you have a hostile intent and it absorbs your mind where that's what you're going to do. So those who want life, righteousness and honour need to pursue righteousness and mercy. So those who pursue righteousness be hostile and ferocious to find righteousness. Let it absorb your mind. We think, tomorrow I'm going to be really righteous. Yeah. 
Now, righteousness, I've preached about this, um, I think, a couple months ago. The Hebrew word is zedekah, right? And it means to be on the path. Zedekah, righteousness on the path. It, I mean, there's lots of nice people out there doing lots of lovely things, which is great. Everybody, you know, I'm a good person. That's fantastic. But Zedekah is more than just being a nice person. Zedekah is being on the path. You can be a nice person and still be lost. Yeah, good for you. Nice person, lost. But back on the path, that's Zedekah. So someone who wants to pursue being on the path. Um, in Romans 3 verse 10, it says that none are righteous, not even one. So nobody's on the path until Jesus comes along and puts you back on the path. You can be a really nice person, but we need Christ in our life. Um, Even Jesus said in John 14 verse 6, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Greek word there for way is hodos, and it translates to path. Yeah. Um, more probably accurately, road, so path or road. So Jesus said, I am the road. That's what he said, yeah. The truth and the life. He was saying, I am righteousness. Zedekiah, on the path, on the road. And he was saying to everyone, no, on that road, yeah. You can imagine all his crowd of Jewish brethren and sisters and people, the crowd, And when he said that I am the road, they would have known exactly what he was talking about because they are trained from a very young age to study Torah. Okay, Torah, first five books of the Bible. Tanakh is the whole Old Testament. If you get really technical, you can call the whole thing Torah. But they are trained from a very young age to study Torah. And when he said I am the road, let me explain what they heard from their perspective. Because they learned that Torah is the road in Deuteronomy 13, verse 5. They find out that Torah is the truth in Psalms 119, verse 142. They find out that Torah is life in Proverbs 13, 14, and in Leviticus 18, verse 5. So when Jesus said, I am the way, the road, the truth, and the life, he said to everyone, I am Torah. And you can imagine the crowd. You wonder why they accused him of blasphemy, hey? It's like, really? What did he say that was so bad? He said, I am Torah. That's why they were so mad. He said, I'm the word of God. Anyway, back to pursuing. So pursue righteousness, which actually means just pursue Christ. Yeah. Learn about him. Where? In Torah. I mean, in the word of God. It's really quite that simple. Uh, those who pursue mercy. Now, when we, re- when we read mercy, we often think about mercy for ourselves. <laughs> but what if it means mercy for others? Where you have a hostile intent for mercy for other people. It's like where you stay up all night thinking, I'm going to slap that person with some mercy tomorrow. <laughs> That's <laughs> not mercy, sorry. <laughs> Glory to God. Okay. Anyway, those who truly pursue that righteousness and mercy, not just for themselves, but for others, find life. They find righteousness, which means they find the path, and they find honor, because it brings honor into your life. 
Point two, pursuing his ways. Let's begin with Micah 6 verse 8 where it says, He, God, has shown you, old man, what is good. Because here I am talking about pursuing righteousness and life and all that, but how do we, how do, we do this, right? And God says, this is how. He has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To do justly, to love mercy, for others as well, again, yeah, and to walk humbly with your God. We see this certainly in Noah, in the life of Noah, for those who are unfamiliar with good old stories of the Old Testament. um, The whole world was filled, not with just sin, it was filled with incredible violence, like ISIS on steroids. Yeah. And God's like, we, we need to do something about this. So he decides he needs to start again, and there's Noah. And in Genesis 6 verse 8, it says about Noah, that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Very interesting that Noah found grace before he was obedient, because grace is a gift from God. Anyway. So it continues, and it says that Noah was a just man, perfect in his generations. You know what that means? That means he was in a direct line from Adam, and he, he didn't have any kind of unspoiled blood. So he was perfect in his generations, and Noah walked with God. So he was just, remember, to do justly, Micah 6 verse 8, to do justly, and he walked with God. Um, we are only saved by grace, but just like Noah... The response to that grace is what affects our relationship with God and with each other and certainly those around us. Um, So when we pursue his ways, how do we walk with God like Noah? How do we do that justly? I'm going to ask you a very super theological question in a minute. Uh, So pay attention for you theologians. (laughs) I'm going to explore very quickly Leviticus chapter 10. Now, guys, don't turn off just because I used the L word. (laughs) You know who I'm talking to. Some of you are like, Leviticus? All right. In Leviticus chapter 10, there's this event where you have the priests and they're having a really super bad day. All right, and there's a whole stack of grain to eat, and that people have been sacrificing in so much, and they've eaten so much, and there's so much going on, and they're so sad that even looking at another sacrifice made them want to bath. They're like, you know, that kind of bath. So there's this goat that they're meant to sacrifice. They don't do it. They just let it burn. They're meant to sacrifice and eat it, actually. And they're like, no, I can't, can't even look at it. <laughs> so they don't eat it. And Moses sees it, and he's furious. And he comes on in, and he says, you, you're the priest. You're meant to eat the goat. Why haven't you done it? And basically, he wants to shove the goat down their throat. Yeah, because it's God's command. Anyway, 
the priests say, we've had a really bad day, honestly. And just looking at it, <coughs> Next, we can't do this. We just can't do this. We are physically unable to, to do this. This is what Moses says in Leviticus 10 verse 20. When he realizes that they were unable to fully obey that commandment, he went, oh, this is what it says. So when Moses heard that, he was content. He basically went, huh, okay, yeah, no problem, bye, and left. You know what we would do sometimes? We would shove that goat down their throat. We really would. But you have to do this right. If you don't believe me, just drive down the road where you accidentally, you know, curve into somebody or, hit, or you um, cut somebody off. They want to shove the goat down your throat. But we've just read that you have to love mercy. So we have someone breaking commandments, but mercy was still a higher law. What about David, King David? Oh my gosh. King David clearly violated a ton of scripture. (laughs) Nice guy, loved God. Um, Decided to, you know, get very physically attached to a married woman um, and then kill the husband. It wasn't great. In Psalms 119, verse 168, David claims to have kept all the commandments. And when I'm reading that, I'm like, whoa, you can add liar to that list. (laughs) Brutal, though. But then God said about David in 1 Kings 11.34, he's like, this is talking to Solomon, he's like, David, my servant whom I chose because he kept my commandments and statues. Now, I'm okay with calling David a liar, not so much calling God a liar. So this needs further investigation. See, especially since in Deuteronomy 30, 15 to 16, it says, See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil, in that I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, and to keep his commandments, his statutes, and his judgments, that you may live and multiply. And the Lord your God will bless you in the land which you possess. Seems pretty clear, keep the commandments, yeah? Proverbs 19 verse 16 says, He who keeps the commandments keeps his soul. So here's the question. How could the Levites, the, the priests there, who weren't able to physically obey, and how could David, who just literally didn't and blatantly didn't obey, how could they claim to have kept his commandments? And how does that affect us? Very simple, guys. In Hebrew, the word for keep is shema. Shema gets translated as keep heaps of times, um, but what it means, it means to guard, to fence off. Uh, in fact, the word Shema, the picture, if you want to get into pictograms and pictures of it, it is like a, like a, you know, you got a sheep fold and you got a yard and you would put a rock wall around it. What they would do is that they would then put prickles on top of the bricks to keep the wolves out. That is Shema. It means to guard, 
Um, the first time we ever see this is in Genesis 2 verse 15 where it says, you know, um, God made Adam and, and he put him in the garden and he tells Adam to, it gets translated in English as to keep, to, to tend and keep the garden. Sounds very nice, yeah? Like planting away, doing seeds, that kind of stuff. But he uses the word Shema. So he tells David to Shema, the garden, to guard the garden. Did he guard the garden? Firstly, he should have kept the woman out. That's a joke, oh my gosh. I'm going to regret that when I get home, eh? Yeah, I better shema myself right now. Yeah, good. Would someone like to shema me from my wife? No. <laughs> All right. But he should have shemaed the garden from the serpent, or at least shemaed his wife from the serpent, yeah? yeah? Ever wonder who sinned first? Ooh. Yep. <laughs> I've got a hallelujah yep down the front. All right. <laughs> So getting back to our question, now that you know Shema means to guard, not being perfect, when you think about it, sometimes the wolves get in, sometimes things happen, the sheep escape, but you're Shema and you're guarding because things are precious to you, even if there aren't things that are great, but you guard something because it's precious. Did the Levites and did David Shema keep the commandments? And the answer is, of course, yes. Because... They're precious to them. Sometimes I screw up and make mistakes, but they're precious to me, and I go back to the ways of God. That's called repentance, because I'm going back to the the ways of God. Both the Levites and Adam, um, David, they saw the ways of God as highly important and worth pursuing. Because they're worth pursuing, you shema it. Um, and that's why we should learn and pursue the ways of God. It's found in the whole Bible, guys, not just the front section, includes the back. <laughs> and you should guard it because it's precious. Hold on to it, just like you would guard your family. I guard my family. I won't go into those details how I would do it. But if you read Deuteronomy verse, or chapter 7, you would know that I'm a strong believer in if the Lord hands him over to you, you can wipe them out. I told you the whole Bible, right? Anyway. (laughs) Uh, Besides, doesn't Proverbs 21, 21 say hostile intent? And mercy, okay? (laughs) It's good. Yes, give back to my notes. Thank you, Jesus. All right, point three. Um, Wednesday, this week, sorry, last week, last week on Wednesday, this point three is called the highest pursuit, all right? The highest pursuit. But on Wednesday, just last week, because it's Sunday today, my youngest son, I was laying down and he came in and it was very precious, but he said to me, Dad, he goes, tell me a Bible story. I know, beautiful, hey. And I thought, I want to tell him the, for me, one of the most important Bible stories, okay? So um, I flicked open to, on my phone app, actually, because he was, he was laying next to me, but I opened to 1 Kings chapter 3. And 1 Kings chapter 3 is the story of Solomon. It says that he was a child. In fact, he calls himself a child. And in a dream, Solomon, as a child, has a dream, 
And in this dream, God visits him and he says to Solomon, what do you want? I will give it to you. And my son's like, like a genie. I'm like, not quite, but same concept. He gets a wish. And he wishes for wisdom. All right, that was, that was what he requested of God. And God's super impressed. God's like, wow, you asked for wisdom. You could have asked for riches. You could have asked for power over your enemies. But you asked for wisdom. Well done. And then God says, because you asked for wisdom, I'm going to give you the whole lot. That's a pretty cool deal. Hey, yeah, it's like bonus. But as you read through the life of Solomon, he goes off the rails. And he starts pursuing other idols, and it just turns out real bad. So here we have the most wise person on the planet, and possibly in history, still completely ruining his own life. How is that wise? And there's been a few times in my life where I've asked, where I've heard people ask, um, how could someone so wise do that? Like, wouldn't wisdom stop you from doing that? Like, what happened to him? I'm going to tell you what Solomon did wrong. And this is what I said to my boy. I said, I'm going to tell you, like, what Solomon did wrong so that you don't make the same mistake. He's like, what? <laughs> so I opened to Psalms 142, verse 5. I'm going to read, from, read this from the New Living Translation um, because... The way that they've translated the Hebrew is actually quite beautiful. It gives the heart of what it is. All right. And this is David, King David. Remember the guy who made heaps of mistakes but still kept his commands? Yeah, that guy? This is his prayer. He goes, Then I pray to you, O Lord. Sorry. I say, You are my place of refuge. You are all I really want in life. That is what Solomon should have asked for. He should have said, God, I just want you. Like if you could have one thing, one thing, ask for the highest thing. God, all I really want is you. That's all I really want. Because your pursuit of God is the highest pursuit. All good things are found in him. Well, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. All right? It does not say wisdom is the beginning of the fear of God. It's the other way around. Fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. That fear there means just means in total all, where it's all you want. It is God who gives you the power to create wealth. I can endure suffering. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Interesting how wisdom, knowledge, and even talents do not equal the pursuit of God. We have to choose to do that. Choose righteousness. Pursue righteousness with hostile intent. Pursue mercy for yourself and others with hostile intent pursue God. Now, life is found in God, which is why when you pursue God, you get the rest. 
Um, so where does our Saviour Jesus fit in all of this? Because I really want you, and your number one focus is I'm going to pursue God. Well, I've been, I've been speaking about pursuing God, pursuing His ways, guarding them with your heart to find life. And sure, Jesus is the Word of God, made flesh, but I want to show you something really cool, all right? In John 10, verse 10, Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and life more abundantly. Again, there's that Proverbs 21, 21. If you pursue Christ, if you pursue God, pursue righteousness, which is Christ made flesh, literally, then you will find life. So he says, I have come that they may have life and life more abundantly. And Jesus is often called the Lamb of God. So I want to show you what the word life is in Hebrew, especially um, even modern Hebrew, traditional Hebrew. It's the word chai. All right? So chai is a picture of a lamb. I don't know if we've got that graphic up there. Oh, there we are. Yeah. They even wear the um, kai symbol around the neck. You can buy this as a pendant. Yeah. So when he was saying, I am kai, not only was he saying, I am life, but he was also saying, and I am the lamb. And you only get life when you come through the lamb of God. There is none other than Christ. He is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life, and no one comes to the Father except through the Lamb of God. With every eye closed and head bowed, let's pray. Praise God. I just want to give a moment. You might be new here today or been coming for years and you think, you know something? I need life in my being, in my everyday. Not just in this physical world, but certainly eternally. And there's something, there's something that's made me realize that I'm no longer on the path and I need to come back to the path. I need to find righteousness in Christ and life. I just want to give you a moment. If there's anyone for the first time you think, I need life in my being, I need Jesus in my life, I'm going to focus back on the truth. Just, you can just put your hand up and I'll just see it. Just looking across. It's beautiful. Thank you, Jesus. All right, but there's something else now I want to pray for, guys. I want us all to pray for this. And you can join me or ignore it. But life tends to make us very distracted. There is just so much that goes on. And sometimes we can feel guilty about how busy we are. But it's okay for us to come back and go, you know something, I do get busy, but I shema life. I shema my, my Messiah. I keep that precious to me. 
I keep it precious to me and I keep coming back to it. So I just want to pray and let's just, for those who want to join me, let's just redirect our minds. Come back to Shema. Come back to keeping God's ways. Come back to keeping who He is. Let's pray. Precious Jesus, you are life. You are life more abundantly. And in this world full of distractions, whether they be good or bad, you are the one we want to pursue. And just like the words of David, you're all I really want. You're the highest goal. Everything is found in you, Lord. Right now, God, I just want to redirect my mind and my heart so that you are my highest priority, my highest passion. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. All right, amen.